Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. This evening I've come to bury a certain doctrine. <laughs> so bear with me. Praise the Lord. Bear with me. I've come to bury a certain doctrine. You know, it's so powerful to think like the Bible says that I fear least by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through the subtlety of his mind so you shall be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus and I have emphasized that the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus does not mean that there are no complexities in the simplicities. It's a perfect balance. It's the double-edgedness of that sword. If I was in a masterclass teaching, if I was talking to ministers, you know, I would probably be tempted to explain the deeper complexities that come in the simplicity, but it also to respect the order that the simplicity must precede. It must first become simple for us to understand the complexities. It's an error for the complexities to precede the simplicity because that is not wisdom from above. But in there are complexities, okay? It's like there are five primary colors, isn't it? It's a simple thing to know the five primary colors. But if you mix these five primary colors with different colors with each other, there is multi-dimensions or many levels or many complexities of colors that can come out only of those five. But the five, in essence, are the simplicity. And the mixtures of these colors are the complexities that come out of the simplicity. But I cannot teach you the mixed or mixtures that come out of the connection of some of these colors. Some of you went to school, you remember that primary colors and how if you connect blue and this, you get this. If you connect that color and that, you get this. It's important to understand that you don't introduce a man to the complexities of color before you first help them understand those five, isn't it? Five primary colors. So it's important to respect the order. And if I, like I said, if I was teaching, uh, you know, in a masterclass, I would explain that order very keenly for us to see the things of the Spirit that way. And those simplicities are the foundation of truth. So Paul fears that the serpent, as he beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. Why is it a genuine fear? Because that's the one thing that is not so easily spotted. It takes so great wisdom to know that a man has been deceived by the devil. I cannot tell you how many people in the world think that they are doing the right thing. 
assume that they're saying the right words. They are convinced that they're on the right course. But that course is of destruction. It's only a matter of time. It shows. So that was Paul's greatest fear. The man whom the Bible says as a master builder was given the grace to lay the foundation of the New Testament. Then genuinely, we should all be concerned of that deception. He's a master builder speaking. He's a man looking at things from a foundational perspective. He's saying the serpent beguiled Eve. He deceived him. He says you can be deceived from the simplicity which is in Christ. You can be deceived. And because of that, many people are living defeated lives in our work of salvation. Some are not only with question, are also being asked questions because they do not represent or cannot manifest their faith. I know some who have given up already on the faith, have drawn back to perdition. They've given up the fight of salvation. They're in and out. They're unconvinced about many things. And they were in church. They sat, they heard, they experienced many of these things. But maybe, just maybe, they got a wrong foundation. They had a wrong understanding of the gospel. Today, Satan is using this most as a tool of destroying the church. Those things of all oh, headache, what flu, those are coming to an end. Those are lower level. This is the harder stuff. This is a thing so hard to interpret and explain to somebody who is being deceived or to yourself when you're in the process of that deception. So we walk with delusional opinions and they're the foundation of our faith and it cannot work, does not work, will, should not work because it's not faith. It's founded not on truth. It's like how in our teaching, the Bible says the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days, men shall teach doctrines of the devils, giving heed to seducing spirits. But the Bible says they will depart from the faith. And somebody says, I got a vision, the Spirit spoke to me, an angel revealed himself to me, but they're not speaking from God. Because Satan realized this. He says, I can actually mislead them, delude them by giving them a false vision of God, a false doctrine. Because if they do not know the truth, they cannot be free. No matter how much, you know, uh, humble they are, how much reverent they are, how much committed they are in the things of God, they will not have the results. And I know people who are so committed in the things of God, but they cannot see the results of the gospel because they are deceived. Today I'm going to read us a very famous scripture, a story that I believe if you've been in the gospel for quite some time, you have heard of or know and acquainted with. And I know that, of course, many of you will... <laughs> struggle to get this but you'll understand this because you see when you don't read your own bible or if you don't read about your bible for your own self and somebody has to either read his own bible to you or read for you the bible these are the consequences in daniel chapter 3 a story is given of the king nebuchadnezzar 
he made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. Ha, English. Okay. It was nine feet high and nine feet thick. For those of you who don't read kingdoms. So he sets it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he gathers the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and all rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image. And then the princes and all these people gather together in dedication of the image that he had set up and they stood before the image. And then and herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and language, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. So the mind here is you build this thing that is so high, so big, call the rulers, the princes, the governors, and all that are of reputation in the land to summon all the people that are under them. They all come in one order and they say, once you hear these instruments, blow the psaltery and the, all that have been mentioned in scripture, all of you are called to bow before the image of Nebuchadnezzar and worship it. And the warning is that whosoever shall not fall down and worship that same hour, he shall be cast in the midst of a burning and fairy furnace. So, at that particular point, again, the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music were blown. And all nations, all languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Remember, at that particular time in history, Nebuchadnezzar, the Bible says, had such power and authority on the earth. In fact, the Bible says that the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar was upon all nations of the earth. Like he was the strongest being. The strongest being. He had such power that every nation he went into bowed to him. That's so much power. And by the way, people just don't have such power. People just don't have such power. A man just they wake up and then build wonderful uh, weapons and then go conquering places, and then take over nations, and be in church. No. There is a power. There is a power. There are laws spiritual that explain such men. So when the Bible says that the yoke of all nations, Nebuchadnezzar had put a yoke on all nations. In other words, they were all under his control and power. So he calls all these guys to come and what? Worship before him. Now, there were certain Chaldeans that were bowing and they noticed that there were certain Jews that were not what? Bowing down to this image. So they go to the king Nebuchadnezzar and tell him, you made a decree that every man should hear the sound of these instruments or flutes, uh, flute, harp and the rest and shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever shall not fall down and worship, verses 11, he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And they say, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Are you following? The Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And when they brought these men before the king, he spoke and said to them, verses 14, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods small, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Verses 15, Now if it be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all the other kinds of music instruments, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. But if you worship not, okay, you shall be cast the same hour in the midst of the burning uh, fairy furnace. And who is that God who shall deliver you out of my hands? You see, he's saying, he summons these three and asks them, is it true you're not bowing to this image that I built and my God you're not worshipping? Then he says, I'm giving you a chance. Once you hear those uh, musical instruments blown or sound, you must bow to them all. Or else... I'm going to throw you into a burning, fairy furnace. He says, and who is that God? He asked them, that shall deliver you out of my hands. He has told them, follow the language. Don't follow what you think you know, because I'm about to blow your brains in a few seconds. Some of you, you're about to be blown away by what you assumed and what isn't. Listen, let's first underline that verses 15. He has told them, bow to my gods and my image. If you don't bow to it, I shall put you into a fiery furnace. That's the instruction. Bow. Underline that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Follow. If it be so, now the question ultimately here, if you're an English student is, what is that so? Listen, they tell him, we are not able to answer you. What answer is that? Are you ready to bow before my gods and image? Oh, I throw in the fire. They say, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, what is that so? If it be so, that so is that you will throw us in the fire. That's the point. Let's not go outside the context. Keep the context. Precept upon, precept. Concept upon, concept. Line upon, line. Now, if it be so, that means we're not going to bow to your images, so to your gods, neither this golden image. But if it be so, that what? That you throw us in the fire. This is about throwing them in the fire or not throwing them in the fire. Are you following so they tell him, if it be so, that you throw us in the fire, and you can see the language flow, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fairy furnace. Are you following? Are you following? Our God is able to deliver us from the burning fairy furnace. If so, you want to throw us in the furnace. And he will, he's not only able, but he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. These boys are not guessing. They're not saying he may deliver us. They didn't even just end on his ability to save. They went further with the confidence that he will save them. Are you following me, child of God? These are not men saying, oh, maybe, maybe not. No, the Bible says he is able to deliver us. And not only is he able, he will deliver us if it be so. 
that you're putting us in the fire. Are you following? Next line says, but if not, if not what? Huh? If we are not thrown in the fire, is it? But if not, remember, if so, if you're throwing us in the fire, he will save us. But if not, if you don't throw us in the fire, be known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, let me tell you how some of you have been reading that portion of scripture. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's come, it's come. Some of you have understood it. You're welcome. Listen, some people have read this scripture this way. They've read it this way. If it be so, comma, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, now, they imply that if God does not deliver us, they're saying, if God does not deliver us, they're saying, if God does not deliver us. Be it known unto thee, O king, that will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Many people, and I've seen even many Bible interpretations, say, if he save us not. If you read books like NIV or a few of them, they use the, if he does not save us. Or if it be not that he saves us, we shall not bow to your images, O gods. Let me show you the problem with that statement. We were talking about being thrown in the fire or not being thrown in the fire. The conversation of these boys was not on whether God will deliver or not. That one was already settled. They said he will deliver us. You know, the problem is many people have misrepresented God and give a wrong character of his person. That's why some of you are not able to believe him. So some of you think this portion is, you know, for us, we are ready. Whether we die or we don't die, whether he delivers us or he doesn't deliver us, for us, we are for God. And that is kudos. That I celebrate. That every Christian should actually, we, we are like that, by the way. In heart, we can die for the gospel. Any day, by the way, we can die for the gospel. Don't be mistaken. Don't be mistaken. Some fools thought that when he takes bombs on churches, people won't pray. They don't know us. They don't know us. Christianity is older than anything. Any weapon, it's way. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, we are crazy enough to we, listen. We are. We are. So don't be intimidated. And if you're the kind of Christian who says, I'm not going to church because I heard that they are putting bombs, then you have. I have no kind words for you. I have no kind words for you. You're not born again yet. Or if you are, you don't yet understand what it means to be born again. Shame on you. Back to what I was saying. Now, listen. Some versions, if you read, say, message version, the message version will say, even if he doesn't, go to the Hebrew. It's not he doesn't. When you study the root Hebrew, because I usually read the Old Testament from the Hebrew to English. It's not about whether God is going to deliver or not. But let's just for a moment assume they were right in that assumption. Would it be right for you to interpret it? Because remember, look at it. If it be so that you throw us in the fire, right? 
our God is able to save us and he will deliver us. But let's just say we go with what they are writing and they're talking about God. Let's just say we're reading the message version. If it be not, give me the message version. But even if it doesn't, let's just go to the place of even if it doesn't, it would not make a bit of difference. Oh king, we still wouldn't serve your gods. Now, if they are already in a fire, you get English grammar. If they are already in the fire, which is burning seven times, and they're already burnt. Is their will at that particular point represented in any narrative? It wouldn't because they're already burnt. So that's not the right interpretation of this scripture. If you study the Hebrew, it's not whether God doesn't or he does. It's not there. That's not how it's interpreted. Read your Hebrew. You realize they were on this fellow that if you put us in the fire, he will save us. If you don't put us in the fire, we want you to also know we shall not serve your gods, nor worship your golden image. Did you get it? That represents a very important character of God. And this is it. That when you are in trouble and you need him to deliver you, deliverance is available. Come on, shout amen. I could stop preaching from here. If you can just understand that, because do you know how many people are like, you know, whether I die or I don't die, whether I'm in or I don't, it doesn't matter as long as you shoot me. But for me, I'll, yes, it's true. If you put a gun on my head and say to renounce Christ, you're wasting time. You can blow the brains out. But he has also given me power to call on him. Some of you must understand the power that has been given us. One time there was a gentleman, I was with Pastor Zach, we had gone to preach somewhere. And then he introduces me to this gentleman. And, hi, how are you? He was his friend, old time friend. Yeah, I exchanged pleasantries, but there was no intention of having friendship beyond that or even meeting. It was a casual meet. It was a certain ministry where I was preaching. So, six months after that meeting, I have a very clear vision. My spirit is taken in a place of this fellow and he's standing before a guy who has put a gun before him and he's shooting him dead. Live, I saw it play like you'd watch a movie. So I called Pastor Zach. I said, you remember the fellow I met six months ago? I described the place where I was at. He said, yeah, yeah, I remember him. I said, I see they're shooting this guy out. They're killing him. So he calls him and tells him. Now the guy seeks an appointment with me and he comes and we meet and he, you know, he breaks down. They had actually shot him before. They had put some bullets through his chest, but by God's grace, he survived. Then he started weeping and, and stuff like that. And then we started, we prayed together. We canceled it. Three weeks from that death, Pastor Zach is my witness. This guy calls us. Like it was in a dream, they come before him. Put a gun on his face. Nothing comes out. Isn't it so? Tell your neighbor, my deliverer is with me. 
somebody shout amen. amen. The Bible says it's our ever-present help in time of need. That is why it's our refuge. Don't misrepresent the character of God. Wherever there is a need to deliver his child, he will appear. Somebody might say, but apostle, we have had stories of the martyrs. We have had stories of people that died for this gospel. I can explain how they die. I can explain it. Can I? I'm not going to use my head. I'm going to use your Bible. In Hebrews 11, let's read verses 35. It begins by, well, it's speaking about the greats of faith in ancient history, biblical history. Uh, it speaks of, you know, whatever they did, they worked valiant in battle, they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, CDC. Verses 35, he says, women received their dead raised to life again. Listen to this. And others were tortured. What's the next line? Not accepting deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. They refused. They said, I don't want. I want a better resurrection. They were tired of the world. You know when you're tired, you can sign out. Huh, you can sign out. Say, ah, we're done. They wanted to obtain a better resurrection. And I want you to study the KJV because the KJV gives the right pronunciation that you'd find in the language of the Hebrew. Right there after is a full colon. Meaning, everything that follows after is an explanation of that statement that has been made. Those which refused deliverance. Next line. And others had trial of cruel mockings. They which refused deliverance Full colon, remember. Because everything after that is explaining this sentence before. English, eh? Listen. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yeah, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Of whom, verses 8, 38, the world was not worthy. They didn't feel like this world was worthy of them. So you explain, how does a man get to that level? Let me explain that also. When you have, for most of the part, a vision of heaven, your love for this world dies. Listen to Paul. This man, the apostle, one time said, sometimes I'm torn betwixt. I'm torn between. As of to be with you or to be with Christ, which is far better. Sometimes, I don't know, Paul is saying, should I stay here and preach the gospel? Or should I be with Christ. Should I just give in to one of these beatings and just say one of those days, ah, ah, let me die. Let me tell you, if you understand the gospel, this statement alone 
is too deep to interpret. That this man has told you actually to live or to die is a choice. For him, Paulo, the apostle. No, this is not a man saying, you know, if God wishes, I'll be here next week. No, he says, I am in straight betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Verses 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. This is a man who is saying, I'm torn between two. That means I have a choice to stay and I have a choice to go. And his desire is actually to go. But he says, okay, nevertheless, let me abide in the flesh for your sake. Otherwise, I don't even want to be here. You see, number one, he already has a vision of heaven and what it is. He doesn't, you know. <laughs> Life is not this only. This shall come to nothing. What you have received is everlasting, eternal. Somebody shout amen. It's not just an imagination. It's real. It's real. It's real. So anyway, these men had related with God and they realized, no, the world was not worthy. And they were okay to sign out and carry the record that for the gospel, I was slain. And it was okay for them. They were not complaining for the glory. The Bible says that they might receive a better resurrection. Are you following what I'm saying? Complicated, but true. Because many of you, you're so worldly. Ay, 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 ay. No, you see, so, but Paul says, I have the choice, I can choose. You can't have such confidence when you don't know that your deliverer is with you. It's a man who knew that there's nothing he can't come out of. Time comes, I, I remember reading a story of Catherine Kuhlman, or Roberts, I think, was it? The wonderful man of God goes to her at her deathbed and he wants to raise her from that sickness and heal her. And he knew he could. He had the anointing. Catherine said no. She was done. You know, some people, when they're done, they're done. You can't reverse a man's will, okay? But back to what I'm trying to tell us here. They refused to accept deliverance. Not accepting deliverance. They said, Check it out. What if they had accepted? Do you think they would have been killed? Answer me. According to scripture, do you think they would have been killed? The Bible says God is able to save them to the uttermost. They that come unto him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession. God is able to save to the uttermost. Give me the amplified version of that. You need to read that in the amplified version. Shanda Brede go Katala Paradega Zogarate. Amplified version, Hebrews 7:25. I'll read it for you. It says, Therefore, he's able to save to the uttermost. Listen, what? Completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. He is able to save completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity. Those who come to God through him. 
So when you say, in the name of Jesus, deliverance is there. Cancer stage four. In the name of Jesus, deliverance is there. HIV. In the name of Jesus, you've seen the crippled walk. Why? Because he can save finally, completely, perfectly for all time. Those who come to God through him. So, don't underestimate that name. Don't underestimate that name. He says, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. And this is the day where you don't ask Jesus of anything. Jesus help me. Oh, Jesus save me. No, he says, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. But you shall ask of the Father yourself. In my name, he said. Everything is here and amen in Christ. Just go to the Father and say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I decree that I will not fail. In the name of Jesus, I refuse to die now. Even if you're in a car, in, I, I, in the name of Jesus, just shout that. The car will wait to hear what you're saying. I can't die now. Let it roll on it once. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you will not die at that particular point if you're not ready. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, John 16, 23, whosoever shall ask the Father in my name, in my name. He says, either two, you have asked nothing yet in my name. But he says, ask ye, and you shall receive that your joy may be half. He said, may be full. God wants you to be full of joy. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. Nothing incomplete. Nothing imperfect. Everything working as it ought. When you're done one day and you're tired of living, you say, Father, let's go. And you just, they take you out either in sleep or on your chair. You can go to heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the way of believers. Refuse to die early. Say it. In whose name? And heaven has said completely. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. That's the nature of God. That's the nature of God. You will never desire deliverance and it's not there. You'll never get to a point and you need help and it's not available. But apostle, I tried one day and I failed. And No, you didn't know this. You know how many people in the world say, uh, you know, if it's the will of God, you'll heal. If it's not the will of God, you'll not heal. And then you ask them, where did you get that from? And they say, the Lord's prayer. And then you ask them, what did the Lord's prayer say? He says, let your will be done. And I tell him, no, it did not say let your will be done. That's incomplete. It said, let your will be done as in heaven, so in earth. That's how that sentence ends. Hello? He didn't say, let your will be done. If I leave, let his will be done. If I don't leave, let his will be done. In Islam they have inna lillah wa inna lillahi hurajun. 
Now I went to the Muslim school. I did Arabic. Are you following what I'm saying? That's how God has designed it. You see, you see God has given you will too. To say, this one you choose. He's given you will. According to his word. Somebody shout hallelujah. Deuteronomy 30 verses 15. What does he say? See. This is something you have to see. I have set before you this day. Life and good and death and evil. You choose. I have set them before you. Choose. They're there. Choose. Choose life and you'll live. Choose death and you'll die. Choose failure and you'll fail. Choose success and you'll work. Yes. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose what? Hey, listen. Choose what? That both you and your seed may live. Choose life. I know your kidneys are not working, but choose life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Just say, I refuse to die in the name of Jesus. He said, choose. But what if the pain increases? Increase also. Somebody shout hallelujah. What if symptoms persist? Persist also. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're not of them that drop back to perdition, but of them that believe to the serving of the soul. You believe and believe and believe and believe and believe and believe. Even if the last breath you have can only say, I refuse you. Say it. But you don't cave in. I don't care how it looks like. I don't care how it feels. Refuse to cave in. Refuse to give in. I don't care what you're feeling in your body. The people here who are not sleeping at night. You just wake up and move. But at night things change. Refuse. Even in the night you wake up and say, I refuse in the name of Jesus. I will not fail. My kidneys are working. My liver is working. My heart is working. In the name of Jesus. My stomach is working. In the name of Jesus. By his stripes I was healed. And then tomorrow morning again you wake up and say, I refuse. You know, soon when I teach about meditation, you see there are three dimensions. There's that dimension of building the image of what you believe to see and there's the dimension of speaking it forth, you know, under the breath to Hagar. But then there's that dimension also where through meditation, you learn to fight. The Bible calls it casting down imaginations. Breaking every high thing that exalts itself above your knowledge of Christ and bringing your thoughts to the Bible says, bringing your thoughts or holding your thoughts captive to obedience to the obedience of Christ, bringing your thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ to arrest your mind and say, If God doesn't say it. It doesn't matter whether I feel it. It doesn't matter what the machine is reading. I am this. You know, that, that thing of casting down, putting down strongholds, casting down imaginations, you, you find yourself speaking. And when you're in that realm, you have to be angry. No. You don't say, leave me alone, devil. No. You say, no. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. My mind must obey what Christ says. 
so it's also part of meditation because every time you're creating the right image in the spirit satan is also creating for you are you hearing and sometimes the image of satan can override what you're drawing in your spirit and before you know it you start to behold only his image and that's why you say i refuse hallelujah if you don't want to wake up your wife you say, but you say it with anger oh why do you think god gave you anger god didn't give you anger to fight people god gave you anger because he knew that there is a row in your spirit oh that can come out when you need it the devil must know that you're humble as a dove but if he touches you you become a lion somebody shout hallelujah tell your neighbor i am dangerous so you must have those two things humble as a dove brave as a lion when you're under the spirit oh hallelujah jesus oh jesus out of them the devil comes oh can i hear roll manta kode balade in the name of Jesus I refuse to be weak I refuse to be poor I refuse to regress no you're lying this is what I see as some of you just see those images you even sleep over them with serenaded by music uh -uh. tell your neighbor refuse tell them refuse I'll teach about it. I'll show you scriptures and show you how to fight. That's how we fight. Spiritual warfare is that. Hey, you refuse. You refuse. Not generational curses. No. What the devil is showing you at that time. Some of you, you just sit up there taking your cup of tea and the fool just brings a vision of you in a casket and then you first think there and then you imagine how they bury you, how many people will be there, your children point when you see yourself in a casket take yourself out and you say not now then after that you construct yourself and come back in a suit walking room as if nothing has happened hallelujah yeah then you construct yourself in your suit and come back and say yeah, everything is okay yeah guys we're good If you have a week, that's the time you first take it off. And say, devil! Have you ever seen me without hair? Leave my son! In the name of Jesus! Then we leave your boy. You come out. Hello, praise God. <laughs> a dove brave as a lion somebody shout amen with the devil we don't negotiate uh -uh. Uh -uh. do not give him even an inch the moment that vision comes you break the coffin in your head and some not there you crush it in your spirit you say no that's not me 
has a false image. For me, no. No. Casket, past 95. Casket, past 100. That's my portion. Shanda Copra de Gaza. Casting down imagination. Because some of you, you think. You wake up at 3 a.m. and think. You wake up at 4 a.m. and think. When you wake up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., usually that's creative time, right? Some of you, that's when the devil communicates most. You think about the landlord, your job, your stack. No, that's the time you wake up and look for a good someone like this one. You put it in. And after putting it in, you start speaking in tongues. I would say sometimes the spirit helpeth in our infirmities. For sometimes we know not how to pray as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. If you read the Greek there, the groanings which cannot be spoken in human language. That's the meaning. So if there are groanings which cannot be spoken in human language, these are the ones. They are And he prays. Can I give you a clue? Romans 8.37 says, And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit. Listen. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of. Now, have you seen in your scripture there that those are brackets? In your scripture, are they brackets? Huh? Brackets means originally in the Greek, the will of God was not there. So it literally means he maketh intercession for the saints according to God. Now, if I go deep to teach this thing, you'll be shocked. It's according to the God praying through you. <laughs> according to his word. Remember, remember the word is in the person of Christ. Who now is the indwelling life. So it's according to the word of God. Anyway, your deliverance is available when you need it. available when you need it. Luke chapter 1 verse 68. It's a long one, but it's important you hear it. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant who? David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, not might, not made, not could. God prophesied long ago that you should be delivered from anything that sets itself against you. I feel sorry for those who hate you. And from the hand of all that hates you. If a person hates you, Vega, they're already in trouble. Put your name. I don't care how tall, how big, how could, if they hate me, they're in trouble. Listen. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers. And to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. That he would grant unto us. That we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies. Might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him. All the days of our lives. He says that we. He would grant unto us that we being delivered out. We being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, we should serve him without word, fear. This, when Jesus said it is finished, 
you were delivered from the hand of him that was mightier than you. Nothing coming against you is stronger than you are. If anybody sets themselves against you, they are going to become weaker than you are. Nobody who has ever set themselves against me has not weakened. It's not prophecy. It's the Bible. It's not that it shall be. No, 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 no. It's not it's true. Nothing that sets against itself, it sets itself against you, shall not be cemented. Why? Because you were already delivered out of the hand of your enemies. That is why you serve God. You know, that's why I tell people, if you're not serving God, you're saying you're not yet delivered. If you're not doing something in the church, you're saying you're not yet delivered. It's a sign that you don't yet embrace the deliverance of God. When you are convinced of the deliverance you have in God, you'll find yourself serving Him. Even if it's something small, but you'll do something and say, I have a definite program for church where I do this for God. That's a man who knows they are free. So if you just come and just take the good stuff and go back home and just live large without doing something for God, you're not yet free. You're still in the process. Your deliverance is here. There's somebody right now and you don't know your next rent. Fuck the Lord, Lord, three, four months you're behind. You've looked left, right, north and your uncle in London. There's no answer. People have even started avoiding your texts. They're not answering your calls. I came this evening to tell you, your deliverance is here. There's somebody probably you've been carrying a disease and they're telling you in our family you have this and probably it's inherited. It's high blood pressure, diabetes. It's, you know, sickle cells. But sickle cells is incurable. Scientifically, yes. Ask Mukisa, his sister. Visited their home and they brought a girl who was sickle cell. We prayed for her. She went to the doctor who had been treating her and the cells were normal. <laughs> With God, Apostle, my deliverance is there. I always know there is an answer. I just tell myself I don't know how it's going to come out. But I always know that there is an answer. That's why it's hard for some of us to lose. It's impossible to lose. Because you always tell yourself there must be an answer. I cannot tell you even in the simplest things like basketball. Sometimes we're playing basketball and these guys are like five or six baskets ahead and, and you're like, oh God. And then some tells you, but... Mm. And then you shoot and it enters and then you shoot again. <laughs> and you win. Makade Zambra Degata. Even in the simplest thing, when you say, ah, now we are at the world, you say, no, there is a way. I don't know how, but there is. Then you look up in the sky and say, Manto Zibara Degasho, Satala, Solution Giver, Mante Cobra Degazala, Jailbreaker, Master Strategist, come through, Mante. There 
must be a way. He said, I am the way. There is a way. But how will I build this house? You know, my salary, there is a way. Oh, how will I go to this and then I do that, yet I don't have enough fish? There is a way. How do I pay my fees? My cousin doesn't have money. My mother doesn't have money. I don't have anybody. There is a way. Just keep telling yourself, my deliverance is here. My deliverer is alive. Don't refuse deliverance. Accept deliverance. Ever present help in time of need. Present help in time of need. Present help in time of need. Present help in trouble. Present. He's not absent. He's there. He's saying, what do we do? Camilla, what do we do? Rogers, what do we do? One here. Then you say, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and then the whole atmosphere opens to here. There's a way. There's always a way. There's always a way. I know the doctors say this cannot, but there is another way. It's not with the doctors, but it's there. Hey, hey, hey. I told you one day you will walk on water. Just give me time. I'll keep pumping you and pumping you and pumping you until you just run. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to pray with somebody who says I'm charged. Oh, Shanda Kozebra de if you know that thing that has failed to change, move. This is the evening you're going to move it. Open your mouth and let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. Seven in key. Being loving, he is with me too. Hallelujah, hallelujah, what a Savior, hallelujah, what a friend. Helping, keeping, loving, will be with me. We're going higher. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Hallelujah! What a friend! 
Your deliverance is here. Your deliverance is here. I declare and I declare that whatever has been frustrating you, whether in your body, your relationships, your dreams, your visions, your finances, tonight it has been judged in the mighty name of Jesus. And you're going to walk in God's goodness like never before. Say amen. If you're sick in your body, you're healed. You know, that's how I heal the sick. I just say, you're healed. That tumor leaves. That blood disease leaves. That heart disease leaves. Those pains in your stomach, they leave. And God hears. If you're there and you say, Apostle Grace, as you are preaching, I feel I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Repeat this words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. I'm born again. I am healed. I am free. I'm delivered. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.